Just past dawn, the sky was blue, cloudless, the air chilled. Obeyed Idris slipped on a pair of sunglasses and contemplated the copse standing on a small hill in front of him. It was like looking at one of the landscape paintings in the National Gallery, and he was reminded of an exhibition he had promised his girlfriend they would visit. Making a mental note to book some tickets, he let his gaze drift towards the narrow road that snaked between the fields. Their quarry was somewhere on the other side of the hill, heading towards them. Now was the time for maximum calm. Soothed by the autumnal colours, Idris heard the words of Moshe Izaki, his kendo instructor, in his ear. You are not fighting your opponent. You are fighting yourself. Idris ran a palm across his bald head. His breathing was shallow and regular. Closing his eyes, he let all distractions fall from his mind. A burst of static was followed by the familiar voice of Fuad Samata. They're here! A murmur of anticipation rose among the assembled team. Six cars in the convoy. We want the Panorama vehicle, the people carrier. Idris slowly opened his eyes and spoke into his radio. Understood. They should be with you in three minutes. We will be 90 seconds behind them, over and out. Over and out. Reaching for the pistol in the waistband of his jeans, Idris scanned the expectant faces in front of him. Six heavily built young men armed with serious expressions and Heckler and Koch submachine guns. Each one had been recruited by Fuad, based on word-of-mouth recommendations from trusted associates. These were not the kind of guys you found of a job centre. Idris pulled on a pair of gloves in almost ceremonial fashion before addressing the crew. Remember, the guns are just for show. No one will put up any resistance. There will be no need for any shooting, no need for any violence at all. He determinedly ignored the disappointed looks. Let's do this thing right. No drama. If we're calm and professional, it will take less than five minutes. Taking their silence as agreement, he began picking his way across the freshly ploughed earth, heading towards the road. Biggin Hill, five miles. Standing beside the road sign, Idris checked his watch. One minute to go. He watched impassively as a trio of red BMWs stolen from a garage in Manchester two days ago rolled into place, blocking the junction in front of him. As the target convoy approached, another two cars, also red, would block off the rear, trapping the target on a narrow road. You should be able to see them now. Right on cue, the first of the black Mercedes vehicles that made up the convoy rolled around the corner, travelling at a cautious 30 miles an hour. We have them in sight. Perfect. See you in a couple of minutes, over. Idris tossed the radio to one of his men and began marching towards the roadblock. The convoy came to an obedient halt, the drivers patiently awaiting developments, their engines still running. Somewhere overhead, a couple of crows squawked noisily. Stepping in front of the first mark, Idris counted seven in the convoy. Fucking Fuad. He never was any good at maths. At least there was only one people carrier. 
It was easy enough to spot, sitting a good four feet higher on the road than the vehicles in front and behind. He signalled for the team to move forward. The driver in the first Merc watched impassively as the heavily armed men took up their positions on either side of the road. The sound of boots on tarmac was obliterated by the throaty roar of Fuad's team approaching from the rear, cutting off any chance of retreat. As their cars screeched to a halt, the doors flew open and another six men jumped out. They were identical to the guys already deployed, right down to the brand of gum they chewed. Not for the first time, Idris wondered idly if they might have been cloned.